Hello, and welcome to the Vibrant Light Podcast, your home for uplifting faith-based commentary. My name is Alicia, and I'm your host. Today, I will be discussing Canadian legalization of so-called assisted death and growing concerns that these methods are being used and even encouraged in lieu of providing care to some of Canadians' most vulnerable citizens. I will also be revisiting how to manage conversations with mixed company, friends, and family members as we get into summer barbecue season. In 2016, Canada legalized assisted death for Canadians aged 18 and older with a serious and irreversible condition, whose death was, quote, reasonably foreseeable. The law was later amended to allow people who are not terminally ill to choose death, such that today any adult with a serious illness, disease, or disability can seek help in dying. Now, anyone who has ever witnessed a loved one suffer disease and death can certainly sympathize with how difficult that can be. And we often hear this phrase that people deserve to, quote, die with dignity. To that, I would argue there is nothing undignified with moving through the final stages of our lives with the support of our loved ones and medical professionals keeping us as comfortable as possible. Not denying, that's not denying the reality or how hard it is. We understand that it's that that's difficult, but it's not undignified. What's undignified is making those in their most vulnerable state feel undignified, feel like there's such a burden that they don't deserve to exist. Such that we're now seeing a push to rob people of their final moments. It's just it's just really it's just disgusting and and it's shocking how many people who claim to be compassionate are are arguing for this as compassionate and beyond that we're now also seeing a push for euthanasia in Canada not only for the terminally ill but also individuals who are mentally ill and incompetent from the Toronto Associated Press I found an article from August 2022 And the article says the following, and this is direct from the article, and I'll post a link to it in the show notes. It says, Alan Nichols had a history of depression and other medical issues, but none were life-threatening. When the 61-year-old Canadian was hospitalized in June 2019 over fears he might be suicidal, he asked his brother to, quote, bust him out as soon as possible. Within a month, Nichols submitted a request to be euthanized and he was killed, despite concerns raised by his family and a nurse practitioner. His application for euthanasia listed only one health condition as the reason for his request to die, hearing loss. Nichols' family reported the case to police and health authorities, arguing that he lacked capacity to understand the process and was not suffering unbearably among the requirements for euthanasia. They say he was not taking needed medication, wasn't using the cochlear implant that helped him hear, and that hospital staffers improperly helped him request euthanasia. And that is the end of the article segment. There's there's more to it. Like I said, I'll put the link in the show notes, but I, I just it gives you an idea of, of what's happening up there. And during his recent trip to Canada, well, somewhat recently, a few years ago, Pope Francis blasted 
what he labeled the current culture of waste that considers elderly and disabled people disposable when he said, quote, we need to learn how to listen to the pain of the poor and the most marginalized, Francis said, lamenting the patients who in place of affection are administered death. Wow, those are really that's that's those are really powerful words that we're we're providing death in lieu of affection. Back when Sarah Palin was running for vice president alongside John McCain, people scoffed at her when she talked about government-run medical care leading to so-called death panels. She was laughed at. Nobody took her seriously. Even I rolled my eyes at it a bit. But what we're seeing in Canada shows that that's not such an incredulously incredulous possibility that when medical resources become scarce and expensive, if the option is on the table to simply euthanize people, those in power could attempt to exploit that and present it as the most responsible option for someone who is poor or unable to care for themselves. It's really no different than how abortion is marketed to women who are lower income or struggling. They are told by pro-abortion activists that abortion is the most responsible choice. So it's not really a big leap to think that the same logic and propaganda could be perpetrated against the sick and the elderly and the mentally ill who are current, who our current medical system and politicians and leaders have shown they're not all that interested in helping. There was recently a video of a veteran that went viral where he was sitting in his car in tears regarding his inability to get the mental health care he needed. So we're simply not making these individuals or their care a priority. And at what point do they become disposable? That's, that's just, that's a really scary proposition. And, and I want to be clear to anybody who's listening who feels like they're fighting that battle. Don't give up. You, there are people who are fighting for you, who are on your side, who want you to be here. These individuals that think it's reasonable and compassionate to manage illness by ending life are coming from a very dark place and should be avoided. There are absolutely people who, plenty of people who are not on board with this and will not stand for this. Now, to be fair, there is a reasonable argument to be made for having open and honest conversations about what type of medical treatment is appropriate for someone at a given age or stage in a terminal illness. But that's where hospice comes in. And that's not what we're talking about here. What they're, you know, that's palliative care. And the two should not be confused. It's a, it's a false narrative that they're trying to claim by, by saying that it's all or nothing, that either a person is getting medical treatment or they're just left to suffer. But we have wonderful resources in this country through hospice that helps people to minimize suffering. So that's really a false argument to say that if we don't support euthanasia, that we're just leaving people to suffer. It's it's simply not true. If somebody has a untreatable terminal illness, there are options to help manage their condition in a compassionate way. Sadly, the culture of death we live in is very real. And once this is a a society is willing to open the door to killing their most vulnerable citizens, there's really no limit 
from there. So we shouldn't be surprised when we see mass shootings and gang violence when we're willing to murder the unborn and the mentally ill and the handicapped and the elderly. And some are even celebrating it. Some see it as a victory. They don't even see these choices as a solemn act. They think it's great. And it really makes me concerned about where we will be in a few decades when it comes to managing medical care and how it's decided who is allowed to receive medical treatment and who isn't. Or at the very least, a scenario like we see with abortion where individuals will feel pressured to end their own lives so as not to be a so-called burden on their families. So if you live in the United States, I would say this is certainly something to watch. There are a few states already that allow physician-assisted suicide, so it's certainly something we as Catholics need to stay on top of and prepare to voice our opinions on if we see this type of legislation come into our area, because this is something that can quickly escalate. And, you know, as we, we've seen with abortion, it, it's this is really kind of a twin issue to abortion in this mentality of just eliminating people that society determines are unworthy of life. And that just can't be tolerated. Next, I want to pivot a little bit and talk about upcoming summer get-togethers where we're going to be gathering with our our friends and family in mixed company again. So, you know, where we maybe we haven't much since since the Christmas season. So, I wanted to revisit how to approach some of these conversations given current topics. So, um we we can just be be prepared and not caught off guard and and um articulate ourselves in in ways that when we walk away we'll we'll feel good about what we said now not too much has changed since i last talked about this before the holidays i would say the hot topics are basically are pr- pretty similar um, the trans issues are still very much on the front burner. Uh, Ukraine, I would say, is fallen off a little bit. Um, politics, as far as who's going to be running, uh, there's there might be a little bit more about that. But the the trans issues still seem to be really running hot. So I would say, it, you know, maybe even more than six six months ago. I think back in the fall, there was a lot of conversations about what was going on in schools and school policies. Now the conversation has moved into what retailers are doing after the whole Bud Light fiasco, which has now spilled over into Target and Kohl's and the North Face. And it's just one company after another bowing down to this ideology. Uh, sports is probably another category that... Um, is still a hot topic when it comes to the trans issues and whether or not um, it's fair for boys to compete with girls, which of course it's not. Um, but that that's another topic that could come up. At this point, I'm I'm finding myself just sort of watching it all happening, and I I don't know if I've just become desensitized, but I I just almost don't don't even have that much emotion about it specifically when it I do when it comes to the children but when it's when it comes to what's going on in the retail space I just it just feels a a little bit like baiting to me um and I could be completely reading it wrong but it just feels so over the top especially when I saw the North Face ad with the drag queen 
it just felt like they were looking for the, a reaction and just being deliberate, deliberately provocative or I don't know, maybe somebody in their marketing department is is trying to be cool and looking for a reaction, um, you know, or you have Kohl's and Target with their baby onesies with pronouns on them. And it just seems like the whole movement has jumped the shark at this point. And, and I don't know if it's coming from activists within these companies that are going rogue as Bud Light claimed or if corporate executives are just, if they just actually think that this is what consumers want to see. And of course, there is a niche market for this type of thing, but it's not the types of products that I think most consumers are going to be interested in. There's a term I've heard being tossed around too amongst the LGBTQ community called rainbow washing, where um, companies are being accused of pandering and profiting off of Pride Month, similar to the way a lot of companies were accused in the past of pinkwashing, which is when companies put pink ribbons all over their products during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, essentially using breast cancer awareness as a marketing campaign. So I don't really know where this is headed at this point. The marketing culture has just changed so much over the last five years or so, where companies are being push to take a stand on issues, but the problem is by taking stands on issues, you're automatically going to alienate a certain portion of your customer base. In the past, commercials for popular consumer products were simply just trying to sell some fun and lifestyle. People would be on the beach or at parties, there might be a cute mascot like the Budweiser Bullfrogs. No one was basing their identity around their choice of beverage or where they bought a pair of jeans. But those days are gone, and consumers are being almost forced to choose if they don't want to support a company that's really blatantly pushing a particular agenda that conflicts with their views. And it's taking consumers who in the past probably would have been pretty indifferent, even if a company donated to a particular political candidate or organization, There are a lot of people, I would say most people, who wouldn't have bothered to dig into that and would still shop at a given business. But these days, it's being put so much in our faces that I think those of us who are principled do feel compelled to make choices one way or the other as to whether or not we will continue to support a given business. So juxtapose that to our summer barbecues and the inevitable awkward conversations we'll be having with our friends and family. So my my uh, same advice, I guess from last time still applies, I would say. I think asking questions is a great way to keep the conversation civil, forcing them to explain what they're saying and not just simply accepting quotes of things they heard on the news or repeating what other people said. Because that's what a lot of people do. You know, I want to know what they think. What do they believe? What is that based on? Where is it coming from? If it's somebody I love and care about, I I really do want to know where they're coming from and why they believe what they believe. I don't want to hear what Rachel Maddow or Anderson Cooper think. I want them to tell me what they believe and why. And on the reverse, we also need to be prepared to answer questions that are asked of us. We don't want to use questions simply just to deflect We want to ask questions to understand and and maybe get the person who is attempting to just parrot 
if that's what they're doing, to maybe reconsider whether or not they should be touting something that they don't understand, which is oftentimes the case. Now, if you don't want to get into it with somebody, if you're in an environment where maybe it's a work party and it wouldn't be appropriate to get into a heated political debate, or maybe you're just not in the mood, maybe you're just somewhere where you want to have a good time, simply just responding with, I didn't come here to talk about politics today. We can have that conversation another day. For most people, that usually changes the subject. I think if somebody still pushes or if they take that as us being dodgy or evasive, a more firmer, fir- a more firm reply could simply be to tell them, look, you're not entitled to my private thoughts and opinions. I don't think these are issues we will agree on, so I'm not going to get into that with you today. Sometimes... Um, something else I've noticed, I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time when I talked about this, is that most people seem to assume that everyone is following this government prescribed narrative that if you're somebody who they consider is reasonable and pleasant and they like you, then you must think the same way they do. And you must be believing and buying into everything they believe and buy into. So when someone like that starts going on a rant about... Uh, Roe v. Wade or trans rights or MAGA Republicans and how evil religious people are, don't hesitate to self-identify and as, as however you, you know, whether, whether it's simply, hey, I'm Catholic or I'm, I'm Republican or I'm this or I'm that or, well, I don't support Roe v. Wade. Like, don't be afraid to step up and, and, and sort of out yourself as one of the people they're railing against if if you're falling into one of the, those categories. And sometimes that's enough to diffuse a situation, especially if we're in mixed company where we're not looking to get into a debate with somebody. Um, I think a lot of people feel free to sort of just bash certain groups of people. I, I was my last employer. You know, I was sitting in a company meeting and this – it was during Pride Month and this video was played and the CEO was talking about someone in her family who came out as gay and she made a comment along the lines of, you know, well, and they're Irish Catholic, so you know how that is. And, you know, it was just this presumption she had that it was okay to make this sort of snarky remark about Catholics and um, really just kind of in that moment paint paint Catholics as as hateful towards gay people, which is not true. Obviously, you know, I'm not I'm not going to go and get in the weeds on the church's teachings on same-sex sex attraction, that's a, a whole other conversation. There's plenty of resources on that, but certainly it's not, it's not hate-based. And, um, but in that moment, she felt like she had a right to, in a company with tens of thousands of employees, to just make sort of this snarky, disparaging remark about Catholics because we are in a culture where that's considered acceptable, where uh, the Catholic position on same-sex attraction is considered an acceptable thing to criticize, even in that environment, even as a leader of Catholics within her organization, she felt that was okay. 
So it, it happens a lot. Now, if the situation really escalates, if somebody's being particularly nasty, I think a common trend right now is, you know, like I said, to accuse religious people of being hateful and discriminatory. But if we don't take the bait and can remain calm and willing to engage in thoughtful conversation, but they're still getting aggressive, then I would simply calmly point out that, hey, look, I'm I'm not the one passing judgment here. I'm not the one discriminating and labeling people. I'm not the one being hateful towards someone who disagrees with me. And I would say if it really gets nasty, then, you know, we can always just call it a night and excuse ourselves from the situation. I, I'm not going to uh, indulge someone in right fighting. It's never worth it. The bottom line being, it's up to us who we choose to share our private thoughts and opinions with. Our, our private thoughts and opinions are no one else's business. They're not, unless we choose to make them someone else's business. So I will always try to avoid taking the bait with somebody who I know is just looking to pick a fight or just trying to preach at me and not have a, a reasonable and fair conversation. And if someone is truly just looking for a fight, generally there's a lot more power in refusing to engage than there is in actually engaging with them because they're not going to listen to anything we have to say. They're just going to inflate their own ego by, in their mind, knocking us down. So I hope that is helpful. That concludes today's episode of the Vibrant Light Podcast. If you have any feedback uh, for questions, topic ideas, please email me at vibrantlightpodcast at outlook.com. Uh, you may have noticed I didn't have an episode last week. That's probably going to be the case for the rest of the summer, at least, where I'll be doing probably more like every other week, every few weeks. Um, so the episodes will probably be maybe a little longer, but fewer. Um, just, you know, my schedule in the summers doesn't necessarily lend itself to a weekly podcast. So, um, but I appreciate, uh, you know, if you're listening, please like, uh, comment, post, email me, let me know you're there. Uh, and thank you so much for listening to the Vibrant Light Podcast. Mm -hmm.